This episode of Paper Team is brought to you by Roadmap Writers. Check out their newly revamped OnRamp program, which gives writers month-long access to educational webinars, interactive pitch prep sessions, and online pitching opportunities. To learn more, visit RoadmapWriters.com and use the code ROADMAP, all caps, all one word, to save $15. Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, aka TV Con. And I'm Nick Watson on Twitter at underscore NJ Watson. And today we're going to talk about getting noticed from outside the industry with special guest Joey Tucho, who used to do development and is currently the CEO of Roadmap Writers. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to have you on the podcast. I love the way you said Tuccio. It was very Italian. It was very perfect. <laughs> I'm French, so I get the... Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So first up, just tell us a little bit about yourself. How'd you end up in the industry and in L.A.? Okay, so yeah, I mean, I've been in L.A. for about 13 years, which is insane. <laughs> but I'm from New York, and I came out here for acting. And then uh, a couple years into it, I started interning at a few production companies, one of them being Bold Films. I did Drive, Whiplash, and Nightcrawler. I was there when they were doing Drive. And then I, I got hired to work there, assisting the, the head of the company and the uh, head of development. And then from there, I just, I can't sit still very long. So working from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day wasn't for me. So I started freelancing at different coverage companies and eventually started Roadmap Writers, which is about two and a half years old, two years and a couple of months, actually. And I guess how I got started into Roadmap and things like it is when I was at Bold, mostly a lot of times writers from all over the world and even in LA try to submit their stuff to us. We obviously couldn't accept it because it was unsolicited. And if we ever did see anything that came in, it was a lot of times it wasn't even written properly. There were so many glaring mistakes. So we really wanted to create something, i.e. roadmap, that could really help writers connect with industry executives to really understand what is maybe getting in their way, the things that kind of tick off executives, things that executives look for, and just have a real transparent community between executives and writers. So speaking of roadmap, can you walk us through the kinds of services that you guys offer to writers? Just has, I'm like the worst sales business person <laughs> ever. I'm like, I don't know, let's just all have fun and party. Um, but yeah, I mean, so for, for roadmap, we have a ton of tif- different programs. Like Nick was just talking about our on-ramp program. It's really kind of like a sampler platter of everything we do. Uh, but the real, we have like classes and all these one-off clinics and stuff. It's all online, so writers can participate from wherever. Uh, But the backbone of our company is our career writer program. And it really is a stepping stone for writers to learn how to pitch and then learn how to master the general meeting, finessing their pages to eventually being considered for our top tier program, which is really where most of our success stories come from. They have their own selection of exclusive programs that are just for top tier writers. And that's really where a lot of our success stories came from, like I just said. Um, in the past couple of years, we've had 51 writers sign. Just last week, we just hit 51 to places like Circle of Confusion, APA, Gersh, a few writers staffed, a few projects sold. And again, a lot of it comes from our top tier program. So we really wanted to create something so writers aren't just kind of writing in a box and taking a class here and a class there and just kind of spinning their wheels endlessly and create something. So every month they're kind of being 
guided to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. So they feel like there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm not a writer. A lot of people on my team are writers. So uh, I get the frustration. It just feels like an endless cycle of doing the same thing over and over again. So me and my team put our heads together and created the career writer program. So it does feel like everything's kind of guiding each writer to the next step. So that's really where we try to persuade the writers when they start with us to do. Another thing too, that kind of makes our company different than other companies. We aren't looking to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, a lot of times we turn writers away. I mean, my COO always joke, I think we're the only business that really just likes turning writers away because we don't want to work with crazy people. We want to work with writers that really have the talent. Um, we don't want to turn into this cold machine where we're trying to appease thousands and thousands of writers because that's impossible. We'd rather work with the select number of writers that are talented, willing to put in the work, understand that it's a journey. And that's how we're getting so many writers signed and options sold is because we're really giving each writer their due diligence and, and putting a spotlight on each one. You guys are kind of building that trust with your, your executives by having a filter there in place. They know they're getting quality writers. Exactly. Quality. Yeah. One thing, whenever I tell an executive that's about to do a program with us, especially a top tier program, is I say, don't worry. These are normal writers. You don't have to worry about any craziness happening. So yeah, that's important for us. And how do you go about curating that list of writers? Is it mostly about the content on the page? Is it about them and their stories? Uh, how do you approach that? Yeah, that's a great question. For me and for us and kind of tying into things I'm going to talk about later is so much about the person. It's fine if somebody's new to screenwriting. It's fine if somebody comes in and they're raw. If they're willing to learn, if they're a normal human being, if they get that it's a process, we want to work with them. There's plenty of talented writers that have some interesting ticks about them. In short, we don't want to put an executive in a bad situation. A lot of our, our programs are roundtable settings, so we don't want other writers feeling uncomfortable if one writer is a little bit put people in uncomfortable situations. So for me and for a lot of my team, it's so much about the person. So seeing writers doing like the one-off classes, so the one-off pitch session, seeing how they take the notes, seeing how they communicate with the executives, and from there really guiding them and taking them under our wing and then telling them about a career writer program. But for us, it's really about the human first. So yeah, a lot of writers are not in LA. They're not in the entertainment industry. Maybe they have careers in other fields. They have families. How can someone like that get noticed as a screenwriter? So that's a great question. A lot of our writers don't live in Los Angeles or in the United States from all over the world. And it's, it's so cool to see so many writers with different perspective they were raised differently it's really interesting when writers come in with different perspectives a good number of writers we work with are older they came from different careers before they were lawyers accountants you know whatever it is it's weird because they come in and they it's this is a business so after spending 20 years being a lawyer doing this and doing that whatever they did it's they have to come in with the mindset that this is also a business. So this also will take years and years and years and years. So you have to treat it like a business. So you have to do your due diligence. You have to start from the bottom up. You have to befriend the lowly assistants. Uh, and don't try to go right to the CAs and the WMEs, no matter how good you think your script is. Because to be honest, there's a lot of really good scripts out there. There's a lot of really good writers out there. And there's a lot of writers that started when they were in their 20s as writer's assistants or interns or production executives who already have that kind of executive fan base. 
So coming in and just really knowing that this is a new business, whatever you did before is great. And hopefully that kind of bleeds into your writing, but treating this as like now you're starting from the bottom and working your way up. But in terms of, like I said, we've had 51 writers signed. A number of them is from LA. A number of them are not from LA. A few of them live in Australia, New Zealand, London. And for, you know, sometimes I think the writers who live outside of Los Angeles are trying too hard to write what they think the American market is looking for when they really should just be writing what they are familiar with, where they're from, no matter what age they are, what part of the world they live in, use that. That'll make you stand out versus just trying to write another skyscraper movie or another big budget film that you think that executives want. Write what you're familiar with. Sometimes the answer is closer than you think. And a lot of times the writers that have gotten signed through us that don't live in Los Angeles are writing something that's so personal to them that it instantly makes them stand out. So that's one thing I always tell the writers to do. For example, this is one writer who I'm obsessed with. Her name is Jackie. She lives in New Zealand and she's a TV writer. And I'm sure a lot of writers that don't live in Los Angeles often hear, don't write TV if you don't live in Los Angeles, which is It's kind of accurate, but at the same time, Jackie is a TV writer and she wrote a couple of amazing TV pilots. And right now she is probably going to get signed the next week to a fantastic management company and agency offer TV pilots. Really excited about, but it's something that she wrote that's very personal to her and it made her instantly stand out. So I would say use what you would consider a weakness, i.e. maybe being older or living outside of Los Angeles and use it as your strength. You already spoke to this a little bit, but in your experience with your own clients, what can writers be doing to set themselves up for success even before they start getting or trying to get any traction in the industry? Again, writing what you know, having a portfolio, and people will think differently at different state of minds about this, but I'm a huge believer in branding, really knowing what kind of stories, genres, and tone you like to write in, because that's going to be easier for an executive to digest versus the writers that write, I have a comedy, I have a drama, I have a horror, I write TV, I write film. It's a little bit more spread thin versus I love comedy. I just write comedy. I'm the horror person. I just write horror. So really creating that brand for yourself, I think is very important. When executives turn to me and they're like, I'm looking for a comedy writer. I'm looking for a horror writer. The first writers I think of are the ones that just write in that genre because they really stand out to me as people that are masters of that tone. So I think writers should try to be typecast at to start. There's a lot of games in Hollywood. There's a lot of rules. So I would say play the game and then break the rules later, i.e. creating a brand for yourself, starting with things that are really personal to you and don't worry about the bigger budget things yet. And then later you could kind of break the rules later, but really learning from your peers. I'm a big believer in finding a mentor. I have a mentor. His name is Howard Roseman, who just produced Call Me By Your Name. I meet with him once a month. We email all the time and he mentors me for a lot of different things. So I think every writer should find one mentor, not so much like a career coach or even just kind of like a consultant, but just a mentor, producer who's actively producing, an executive that's actively developing and have that one constant sounding board to guide you along the way. A lot of times writers will try to get too many perspectives and they're trying to appease everybody. Find somebody, an executive, producer, agent, whatever, that you really connect with and you resonate with 
and have that person guide you along the way. I think that's the best way to just find your footing in the industry to start. So what about an online presence for writers? Do you think that it helps to be putting yourself out there on, say, like websites, blogs, Twitter, that kind of thing? Yeah, you know, I'm the worst at social media. I just uh, joined Instagram. I have 600 followers, so I'm very fancy. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we uh, there's a writer, Terry Viani, who's just started doing her Instagram and her Twitter. She's also in her top tier program. She's amazing. And she's hilarious. She's so smart and she has a great social presence. And through that, she has gotten some jobs to write different articles. And we hired her, for example, to do our social media because she was so good. So yeah, I think every writer should have a, a social media presence. I also think it's, you know, being true to your brand. Like Terry is a comedy writer, so she writes her Twitter and her social media is just flooded with different memes and, and retweeting funny things. But yeah, I wish I was smarter with social media and I should, but I do think every writer should have a website. I think every writer should have a Twitter because sometimes executives, if they're considering working with the writer, they'll look that writer up. It's kind of like if you're going on a date, everybody stalks their people on their on social media. Um, and if they can't find that person on social media, they might be a little more wary. Like, we don't know if this person's crazy. Why are they not on social media? Why can't we find anything on them? So I think, yeah, having that mostly just so executives can kind of get a peek into who you are is very important. And at the same time, being aware of what you're putting out there, um, because you never know what they'll find. So you must have seen a lot of writers come through your programs. What kind of traits do you see in those people who go on to the most success? Maybe it's persistence or uh, be more receptive to notes. What do you see in, in those top tier writers? I love this question. I love this one. This is my favorite question to answer um, just in general, because it's so, so important because there are so many writers. There's just too many writers. But because the thing is, the truth is, anybody can be a writer. Anybody can pick up a computer. Any Everybody has ideas. So anybody, literally, virtually anybody can be a writer, which is, is just completely saturating the market. I know we kind of just talked about this briefly before, before we went on, but the industry has changed so much because of the influx of new writers coming in because, and now there's a few more platforms, but it's just, there's so many writers. So to answer your question about what our writers do that stand out, that makes them really appealing to executives is that you're, they're human first. And I tell this to writers all the time when they're going into general meetings, when they're going into pitches, um, when they're doing any kind of interaction with an executive, is that be a human first, a writer second, and a producer 10th. What I mean by that is go in and be prepared to talk about anything else but screenwriting when you go in. Executives are inundated with scripts and pitches and they have to do this for their boss and they have to do this. So sometimes they just want to talk about anything else. Um, so come in and just be prepared that you're a human first and be able to talk about anything else than screenwriting. Um, sometimes when writers go into meetings, they're just very much, I have this script, I have this script, I have this script and this pitch and this I'm working on, this I'm working on. And it just becomes so robotic that it kind of, it, it definitely turns the executive away. It just feels a little desperate. It feels kind of superficial versus the writers that come in and they could just talk for hours about anything. So, and then producer 10th, don't do the producer's job for them. That's the easiest way for them to be like, this person's going to be a pain in the neck to work with. So that's the biggest advice I give writers when they're going into anything is, is to be a human first and, and come in with different topics. Because uh, a lot of times those executives, it, in short, it's a relationship building game. 
So these executives want to work with you and they should want to work with you for years to come. So people that they can take out to drinks, introduce to their friends and not be kind of embarrassed to do so. So really coming in and just being charismatic and just know that it is a long process. So going in and pushing your script on them, thinking that you're speeding things up is actually going to make things just take a lot longer because executives are just so used to being shoved down their throats. But it's a writer that comes in and just very nonchalant. It almost feels like I don't need you without being arrogant, obviously. Um, we're just being chill. Like I have a lot of other opportunities. I just love to get to know you. I love meeting people. Those are the writers that really kind of perk the executive's attention. So let's say an agent or a manager or producer meets with a writer, whether it's online or in person, you know, they become familiar with the writer's work. How can that writer make the most of that connection and turn that relationship into something that will benefit their career and keep that relationship going? I'm going to, this is a short story. So there's this writer that I adore. His name is Frank Ponce. He's very talented and I've known him for years. And he, I introduced him to a production company, uh, Atlas Entertainment. Um, they did Wonder Woman. They did all those big budget movies that... I don't, I don't see, <laughs> um, but, uh, but they're great. And he went in for, for one script. I told him about the, uh, what the creative executive over there about this one script. And he said, I'll meet up with them. He, the writer went in, the writer also did his homework. He, he researched the, the executives and the company's portfolio was generally a fan of their work, went in, met with the executive. The executive said, you know, this is really not for us, but what else do you have? But before that, before they even talked about that, the writer and the executive was talking about the movies that they did, why the writer likes those movies and, you know, blah, 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 was generally a fan of what they did. And through that, they really built a, a really great foundation of a relationship just from the start. So when the executive said, you know, when the writer pitched them the story and the executive said, that's not for us, what else do you have? The writer had something else that was, wasn't even written yet. Because the executive liked the writer and, and liked the, the kernel of the idea, they worked together, they developed it, and a year later it sold to a major studio with an A-list director on board. Um, but it was really because the executive liked the writer, and the writer did their homework. This is another thing, too, I tell writers all the time. When we do these roundtables with executives, the writer... Uh, we'll pitch and the, the executive will ask a ton of questions and what about this, what about this, blah, blah. And then the executive will often ask, well, do you have any questions for me? And nine times out of 10, and sometimes 10 times out of 10, the writer says, no, I have no questions for you. Thank you. And it just makes it feel very one-sided is that you should have questions for the executive. You should have done your homework. You should have some kind of understanding about what they do and who they are. So it, if you don't come in with questions and you don't come in doing your homework, it will feel very one-sided. And why would the executive want to work with somebody who, who is one-sided? So come in, do your homework, have questions prepared always because executives like to feel good and they want to feel special and they feel like they want to feel like their work is being recognized in a good way. So come in and make them feel good. This is another piece of advice too for writers who don't live in LA. Come to LA once a year. I know it's easier said than done, but come tell it once a year before that, build relationships, meet executives virtually, whether it's pitch sessions or writers groups or whatever, come out once a year and fill your schedule that one week you're out here. Uh, a number of writers that we've gotten signed that don't live in LA, they build relationships. They came out here. We set them up in general meetings, mostly with the executives they met through us. And that's how they've gotten signed. It's a very quick, hi, I'm a normal person. I'm a real person. Here I am. Because um, the executive also does want to know that if you do have to come to LA, 
can you do it? So seeing the person in the flesh is a great thing to do. So definitely coming out once a year is important. To your point of visiting LA, when a writer from outside the city comes over and uh, visits uh, Hollywood for a short period of time, what do you think are some of the things that they can do while they are here that will help their career moving forward? It's such a funny industry. It's like, it's easy for me to be like, we'll call the assistants and try to befriend the assistants, but the assistants are so busy and, you know, if they don't know the person, it's like, why would they take the call? You know, I'd say there's just so many platforms out there now that does legitimately put writers in front of executives. And there are so many companies that they don't do it well, I should just say. So I say just be very aware of all the platforms out there that do do it well. We were looking at the other day on, on, a, on a website, there are about 650 more or less screenwriting competitions out there. And some of them are just a complete waste of time and money, but some of them are really good. So I would say apply to the fellowships, submit to contests, build the relationships that way. Don't do cold queries. Don't send things to executives that barely works. And usually they just, it causes more frustration for them. The other thing too that writers should know is because it's so competitive out there is thinking outside the box is important. Shooting a proof of concept that doesn't mean getting a big crew and doing anything super expensive. It means being creative and, and just, and it could be one location. It could be one actor. I'm thinking of the movie Lights Out, the proof of concept they did. I think it was three minutes. And I think there was one person in it in one bedroom. And because of that proof of concept, it became a movie, a successful movie. So I would say think outside the box because there's so many writers who do want to think of different ways to break in. I think a proof of concept is a great way to do it. Writing things that are very personal to you is a great way to do it. I think doing podcasts is a great way to to have a presence, have a presence on social media is good too. And also finding accessible reps is also really important. As a new writer, forget about CAA, forget about WME, forget about UTA. They're great, they'll always be there. They'll get you eventually, but find accessible reps and a good way to do that is look at the film competitions or the TV competitions, see the, the execs that are judging. Those are usually execs that are actually looking for new writers. They're kind of sick of the same old, same old. They're looking for fresh voices. So that's a great way to find and to really do your homework and look at which executives are accessible. One thing that we do too with our top tier program is I encourage the writers to every month find 50 companies, five zero companies that they think it would be appropriate for their scripts. And if they come with me with less than 50, they hear about it and I say, no, go back, do 50. And one thing I say is look at the blacklist, like the actual list of blacklists, the young and hungry list, the hit list. Look at the reps that are buying and selling. These are the reps that are in the game. These are the reps that are hungry, that they're they're doing their work. And usually those are the ones that are the most accessible. So look at that as well and start building a, a hit list. But don't go to the super top, start in the middle. And also don't go to the super low. Just because the manager wants to rep you, which is great for validation. I know this is a PG thing, so I won't curse. Forget about validation by just signing with anybody or getting your script optioned by anybody just because they want to. Because a year from now, those people probably won't do anything. So find like the real accessible middle to upper level reps and producers. So speaking of managers, you're working with a lot of managers who are looking for undiscovered screenwriters. What are they looking for in a writer? What shows that a writer has potential? You guys, these are really good questions. I love yeah. these questions. It's so great. What are they looking for in, in writers? 
bold voices. And I, I know what I'm, I'm kind of repeating myself a lot, but uh, writing something that's personal, but also this is huge. So every month I do an opening page analysis at Roadmap online, which is completely free. I have like three or four volunteers and I put their pages on the screen and virtually I show everybody the pages and I read it as if I was an executive. And I stop when I feel an executive would stop reading, which is sometimes the cover page. And sometimes I will read the full three pages and say, okay, this is some notes along the way. But the main thing is voice. Have fun. Be bold. Right? Executives read about 20 scripts a week. So if, if the, the scripts that are kind of dull, that are overwritten, that are just trying to be more prolific, more sweeping than it has to be, isn't the easiest way for an executive, a manager to put down a script write economically, really figure out what needs to be in a script. But one thing I really hone in on in the opening page analysis workshops that we do is the description sections. That is the writer's opportunity to have fun, to showcase your voice with the characters and the dialogue. You really, how the character speaks is how they speak, but the description section is how you speak. So instead of Nick walks to the store. Nick walks to the laundromat. He does this. He does this. Have fun with it. Be bold. That's one thing. Whenever I go into an agency, I was meeting with an agent at UTA the other day and I asked him the same exact question. I'm like, what do you look for in scripts? And writers, he said, bold voices. Being a little out of the box is great. Thinking of quirky, unique stories is really cool as well that resonate with you. And the other thing too that I also kind of want to piggyback what I was saying before about playing the game and then breaking the rules later is a lot of executives and managers are looking for true stories, so looking for IP. So one thing that a writer can do starting out is find books. It doesn't mean that you have to write a 400-page novel. Writing a 400-page novel doesn't mean that you instantly created intellectual property. The intellectual property comes when there's a fan base, when it's published and there's familiarity uh, with it. It takes so long. So it's so frustrating when executives say, well, just go off and write a book. It's like, oh, okay, thanks for that. <laughs> but look, go, go to Amazon, look at different publishers, find books that are available that you can adapt, reach out to publishers. And if you find a book that you resonate with, ask if the film and TV rights are available, do a shopping agreement with them, and then adapt the book. That's a great way for you to instantly stand out. And again, it feels a little businessy, but it is a business. So that's a great way to also play the game. Because again, a lot of execs, a lot of producers are looking for books, IP, video games, articles. So go out, research, go to msn.com. There's literally tons of tons of things every day that's like, how is this possible? This can be a great movie or TV show. So that's another way to, to kind of break in uniquely. So you mentioned earlier this idea of a writer's brand. Can you speak to how that can translate on the page? So one thing too that the, the writers should know is that the hierarchy with production companies, agencies, and management companies, when a script is submitted, nine times out of 10, it starts from the bottom, which means an assistant or even worse, an intern will read it. An intern is fresh out of college. An assistant is usually in their mid-20s. But Everybody, they just want to appease their bosses. So one thing that they, if they read a script and they like it and they give it a consider, their boss will read it. And that's how there's the assistant and the intern. That's how they're judged. So a lot of times they'll pass because they don't want to be judged. So they don't want their boss to read it because they're, you know, a little nervous about how they're going to feel, their boss is going to feel how their, their, what their taste is like. But sometimes if a script is very, very solid, 
the executive will read it. But the thing to also know is that executives are super busy. So maybe they'll read the first five to 10 pages. So in terms of brand, I think it's very important for the writer to really hone in on the tone, whatever their brand is, and really hit it hard in the first five to 10 pages. Because in the first five to 10 pages, if the executive doesn't know what the tone is, if they can't get a sense of the writer's voice, then they probably won't read it. I've had managers call in writers after reading the first 10 pages because it was so clear what the tone was. It was so clear that the writer really understood the genre inside and out, that they understood the rules. They understood the rules so much they knew how to break it and make it still work. So I think that's what I'm talking about with brand is that don't just write everything to start. I mean, you could, obviously, you could do whatever you want. But I think to start to really honing in and getting exec's attention is really understanding one tone and hitting it out of the park. Because a lot of times executives will read one script and say, great, this is a fantastic comedy. We have something similar. What else do you have? Then they'll submit, hopefully, another comedy. It's a little more difficult it's like, oh, this is a great comedy. What else do you have? Well, here's a horror like Hereditary. It's kind of like, oh, whoa, okay, this is so different. We're not even looking for horror. I wish you had another comedy because that's what we're actively looking for now. So a lot of writers get into screenwriting because they want to kind of quote unquote sell their scripts. What does the process of actually optioning or selling a script look like and how common is it these days? Uh, so, okay, here's another little story. So writer in our top tier program, Andy Fromke, who's so talented. I know I say that too a lot, but they all are. And he pitched to a manager. I mean, it was last year. The manager liked him, signed him. Uh, they worked together for like three to five months. Didn't work out. Like most times, the first time it doesn't work out. And then they just separated amicably. And then so on and so forth. And he kept doing his thing. The manager kept doing his thing. Literally a year later, a company, a huge company, reached out to the manager and said, Hey, we just read this script that was submitted a year ago. We want to buy it. So the manager reached back out to the client. Um, the client re-signed with him and now it's sold, but it took a year for them to get back. So it definitely happens, but it takes so long. The, the main thing I tell writers too, when they're going into meetings, you know, whatever meeting it is, is that don't go in with the expectation that you're going to sell your script. Because the main thing is if you go in with that expectation, executives can smell it a mile away. They can smell writers that are desperate. They can smell writers that are nervous. They can smell writers that come in with ulterior motives. So don't go in with the expectation that you want to option or sell your script. Come in with the expectation that you simply want to build a relationship. Similarly to Topher, what I was talking about before with Atlas. If he came in and he all he had was that one script and he just wanted to sell that one script, and the executive said, what else do you have? That's it. I just want to sell this one script on to the next thing. He wouldn't have gotten that other project sold because he was narrow-minded. So come in and just know that the best thing you could do is to build a relationship, get hired from that company. A lot of times these huge companies, these busy companies have all this IP lying around looking for writers for it. And they'll say, you know, I have this idea and you write the, this tone very well. You obviously understand this tone very well because you have a brand. I want you to write this, sometimes on spec, which means for free, but sometimes they'll pay a little something, something. The writer will write it. One to two years down the line, the executive will turn around to the writer and be like, what was that first script you told us about? I trust you now, and we have an opening in our slate, so let's talk about that one. But it's about building relationship, because now when you're going into a production company, their slate's pretty full. So at the time, maybe there's not an opening for you, but one or two years, you never know.
So this is a little bit more esoteric, but what do you think is the biggest challenge that aspiring writers face in breaking into the industry today? Honestly, that there's so many writers. And this is kind of the problem that because there's so many writers and because anybody can write, there's so many stories floating around. So what you're writing that you think is really unique might not be. But also, it's really... Because there's so many writers and there's so many people vying for the executive's attention, it's harder to get the executive's attention. And 20 years ago, when executives were a little bit more open to receiving solicitations or taking new writers out to lunch and doing this and that, nowadays it's a little bit more difficult because there's so many writers trying to break in. And some of these writers are looney toony that they executives, and I hear this all the time from executives. I was just talking to an agent yesterday. And he was like, you know, this is going to sound so pretentious, but I, he was like, I'm so glad, you know, a company like Roadmap is around because these writers that are being trained by you and you're sending to us, like we wouldn't have looked at otherwise because we don't know if this person's insane. So there really needs to be that middle ground or there should be a middle ground. It doesn't mean like a Roadmap, a friend, a writer's group. So I think nowadays a writer shouldn't try to be just have the tunnel vision and just write, 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 write. Sometimes writers will get the advice, just keep writing, just keep writing, just write over and over again. And I don't think that's the best advice because I know plenty of writers that have 20, 30, 50 scripts and they're just sitting in their desktop and they're not doing anything with it. So as a writer, again, I'm not a writer, but I have a lot of, obviously I know a lot of writers that it's easy to kind of feel a little introverted and like insular and they don't want to kind of reach out and because I'm a writer, all I want to do is write. But nowadays you have to be a writer you have to be a producer. You have to be a human. Uh, you have to be your own salesperson and not a salesy way, which makes it even more complicated. But also, a lot of times, writers that come into it, they don't want to play the game at the beginning. So I'd say play the game. Find a book. Option the book. Find a true story. Option the true story. Adapt it. That is the best way to kind of to get an executive's attention because they're like, wow, you really understand the business because that's what we're looking for right now is IP. Then later, as you build a name for yourself, then you can start writing your original stories and original ideas um, to really find things that resonate, but that have the intellectual property angle to it, too. On average, how long does it take for a writer to get signed or break in? Good question. So it, uh, it, it definitely varies. We get that question all the time. But here's a couple of stories that are just, to me, they're just kind of a great snapshot of the industry. So one of our very first writers that we helped get signed, Craig Berger, who is so fantastic and nobody makes me laugh more than Craig Berger. We introduced him to a manager. The manager read one of his scripts, took forever to read it, finally read it, and then said, great, uh, what else? Great, here's something else. Three or four weeks go by, great, what else? Go, okay, great, we want to meet him. When? In a month. Okay, great, so in a month they meet. He meets with the manager, great meeting, awesome, 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 great, I want you to meet my boss. Awesome, when? Next month. Okay, great. So they meet next month with the boss and the manager and the manager, the boss says, great. Oh my God, you're so awesome. Okay, let me read your work. <laughs> um, so literally eight months of this went by um, before the they agreed to sign. And obviously that's kind of 
you know, that's extreme, but it happens, especially if a writer's starting to get hip-pocketed by somebody to start. Another one, our 50th writer we just got signed, Lucy Luna, who's also just the best, our director of operations, Jorge Gonzalez. He introduced Lucy to her now manager in February, and now we're just approaching September, and it just got signed. So it, it takes time, and throughout this, you know, it, it, there was definitely moments where we thought it wasn't going to happen, but the writers, you know, they kept taking the meetings, they kept doing their thing, they kept doing what they, they were submitting other things, because they knew it, it t- takes a while. The other thing to to also remember to up and coming writers is don't turn your noses to assistants. There's one writer we're working with who was talking to an assistant at a major agency and they hit it off and they kept talking and they kept developing the script. The assistant got a promotion and now is a full agent and they're still working together. So don't turn your noses to assistants. Assistants should be your best friends as you're starting in the in the business because these are the gatekeepers. These are the ones that are going to fight for you. These are the ones that will choose or not choose to send your script to their bosses. So, and these are the assistants that grow in the business. So as you're growing, the assistants are growing and moving up the ladder. So really make sure that you're not just shooting for the stars, that you're shooting for the more accessible assistants as well because those are the ones that eventually will get promoted and you're going to be the first person they think of. So what do you say to people who are skeptical of these kinds of services that you offer for screenwriters or in general, you know, there's a lot of, like you said, the 650 competitions out there. How can people know what's legit and what's not? I would say, look at the execs that they work with for the contest. Look at the prizes. Me and my team were laughing the other day because there was this one contest. I can say who, but one of their prizes was, a baseball bat? Like, no joke, like a legit baseball <laughs> bat. Uh, we were like, what the heck? It's just bonkers. But I'd say in terms of like what's out there and it's just look at who they work with. That's really hands down the best way because executives don't want to be involved with scams and craziness. They want to find things and they certainly don't want their name associated with. So I would say definitely look at who they work with. Look at the transparency of the company. If you're submitting a script to be read and you're like, well, who's reading my script? I can't tell you. Well, that's weird. So I would like to know who's reading my script. The the amount of transparency is super, super important. Success stories is super, super important. Real success stories is super, super important. You know, it's kind of like for newer writers, great. Getting a general meeting is good. You there we that's that's an important first step. I would certainly not consider that a success story because it's anybody can get a general meeting. So I would say when you're looking at the success stories, take a step back before getting super excited about, oh, this person got a general meeting, this this person got a general meeting with what company? Has this person ever done anything before? The producer and stuff. So I would say a lot of times the companies will oversell and exaggerate and blah, 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 blah. And I guess to also answer to one of your questions before about what are the biggest hurdles writers face when they're trying to break in is that there's so many companies out there and organizations and platforms saying, I'll make you famous. I'll make you famous. I'll make you famous. I could sell, we could help you sell your script. And the fact is nobody can because nobody knows nobody. This Sometimes we see writers get signed like, wow, that happened faster for that, for, for that person than we thought. And so, so some writers we're working with, they were like, wow, why aren't you signed yet? You are so talented. You have everything. So places that make promises are just the best way to know when they're not legit because they can't make promises because there are no promises. Where do you see the future of uh, Roadmap Riders? So in terms of where I see Roadmap in three to five years, like I said before, I don't want it to keep growing. I don't want it to become 
this mega thing. It doesn't inspire us at all to, to kind of keep growing in that way. Honestly, in three to five years, it would be my kind of goal that it's actually not around, that we it's create something else is created in its place that is just for the writers that we're working with, whether, you know, further down the line, it's a, a production company of some sort or further down the line, just kind of an incubator kind of thing that we're teamed up with an agency or a production company that is just free for all writers that we feel are that are worthy of it. So I would say right now it's great. We're meeting so many writers and we're training them and we're teaching them. And we're making so many great connections. But I think in three to five years, we would love to find that core group of writers. You already have an amazing core group of writers. Finding a way and finding some kind of partnership with somebody to create like an incubator or something else that we could just solely deal with those writers. So that's where I hope Roadmap goes in three to five years. In terms of your own kind of personal career goals, are you wanting to continue in the education space or you would like to get back into kind of producing and development? Where do you see yourself? I would love just to move to Africa, live in a hut, and just <laughs> play with the lions all day. Every day I wake up, I'm like, why am I not there? And I would say for for me personally, I would love to keep just focusing on roadmap for now, but also finding maybe down the line projects to produce as well. So there, there are some things coming up that we're really excited about. So just keep doing stuff like that. All right, before we go, we have some final questions for you. Number one, what are you watching on TV right now? Well, first off, I'm the biggest fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, just <laughs> first and foremost. And also, I guess kind of makes sense that one of my favorite shows I just finished is Pose. Nice. Yeah, I thought it was really, really interesting. And I love that time period. So I just finished Pose. Nice. Do you have any final pieces of advice for writers who are out there trying to figure out how to make that first step? Yeah, I'd say, honestly, the biggest thing that I could tell any writer is to find a mentor, find somebody, an executive, a producer, somebody who's done it. That's the best way for you to learn from them, learn what worked for them, what didn't work for them. And that doesn't mean take everything they say and say, yes, I'm going to do that. Yes, I'm going to do that. Yes, I'm going to do that. But find an executive that you connect with, a producer, and really try to befriend them. And again, it could take time. I've known Howard for 10 years. But you know, when I first met him, I was just some weirdo just calling him up and emailing him. Be like, hey, do you want to get coffee? And it took you know a few months for him to be like, okay, this person might be insane, but I'm going to meet him anyway because he's, you know, he's persistent or whatever, but hopefully not in a crazy way. But 10 years later, he's my mentor and he's the best. So I think every writer should really try to find a mentor and just be open. Just know that it takes so, so long. And I know writers don't like to hear that because it should be easier. But again, there's so many writers out there. So just know when you're thinking to yourself, why will an executive just not read my script? I don't understand. There are about 1.5 million writers thinking the same thing. So it's about thinking outside the box, knowing your voice, being bold with your voice, because nobody has your voice. And finding the accessible reps and the accessible producers that are currently looking for voices. Because said you can find them, they're usually judging contests, they're usually, uh, you know, doing all the forums and stuff like that. And the very last thing I'll say is don't rush to try to do things to be validated. Like jumping in with a low, low, low level manager or somebody who's never done anything before. Like really know that that could take longer as well. Um, and be a human first. And lastly, do you have any resources, be it books, apps, websites, anything for our listeners? 
If you're new to screenwriting and you don't know how to format scripts, I say simplyscripts.com is great. It's a free site. And in terms, so you could kind of like research and you could see what scripts are out there that are actually been produced and see what works. In terms of like apps and resources that are good for writers, I'm, I'm the first to say I live in a bubble, so I'm not, I'm not that good. What I was saying before, I think it's a great thing to start doing is look at different publishing companies, look at their list of books and list of articles and see what they have that are available. I think that's a very, very unique way to go out there. Also look at this website called Short of the Week, I think it's called. Just Google shortoftheweek.com and the correct URL will come up. And look at the shorts that are coming out there. A lot of them are writers, directors, and that's how a lot of them get signed. So again, those are two great ways, whether through the public finding a book or creating a short, uh, that's the more unique way to break in nowadays. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode. So thanks to our listeners for tuning in. And thanks to Joey for joining us. Thank you guys so much. You can get all the show notes for this episode at paperteam.co slash 104. And if you want to leave us a review, we would love that. You can do it at paperteam.co slash iTunes. And all those reviews will help us attract new listeners and build our community. And thanks again to this episode's sponsor, Roadmap Writers, who in just two years have helped more than 50 writers find representation. Visit RoadmapWriters.com to see their full slate of educational programs. Paper Team listeners can use the code ROADMAP, all caps, all one word, to save $15 off your first program. And as always, I'm on Twitter at TVCalling. I'm at underscore NJ Watson. Are you on Twitter, Joey, or other social media? Yes, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> sure, we'll find the links and put it in the show notes. Uh, if you have any thoughts, feedback, ideas for future episodes, you can send them to ask at paperteam.co. And next time, we were invited to do a free educational webinar for roadmap writers to discuss the ins and outs of a TV writer's room. And we will be releasing that webinar as a paper team episode next week. Yeah, so tune in for that one.